If you have your scriptures with you this morning, let's turn to Ephesians 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're picking up there again on verses 14 through 20. I want to work on the fullness of God. Today we're going to look just at the inner man. Uh, This passage is so rich, and it springboards us right into the fourth, fifth, and sixth chapters where God wants us to live in a certain way, and to be able to do that, we're going to need all the fullness of God in our lives. Let's read verses 14 through 20, and then we'll pray. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come this morning, petition as we always do. We sat in front of your word this morning through the Spirit attending with those gathered at the throne this day to sing praises and glory at your name. And Father, to be fed from the riches of your truth. Our hearts long to know you, Father, to know this fullness that Paul speaks of. It's such a necessary prayer. It's such a need in this place. To understand the fullness of God, to be filled with all the riches of the glory and the power and the love that we have in the presence of Christ. Father, as we speak about the inner man, our soul this morning, Work in the heart, the soul of your people, your truth. Overcome my simple words and speak directly to them in your power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So my question for you would be, what is required for the Christian to experience the fullness of God? What is required for the Christian to experience the fullness of God? Well, one of the things that Paul is beginning with here is this prayer. And it's in this prayer that he thrusts the believer into the second half of the book of Ephesians. And you may have read Ephesians before. And you may have thought to yourself, well, that's, uh, that's a lot of good stuff there about how we should live. But probably you've never connected that to be able to live like that, we need to be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, that's relative to some people will have more of the fullness of God than others, but it's for you to grasp all you can. And that's why Paul prays. 
He wants the Ephesian believers. Let's, let's throw in a little context here. Most of these guys that are in this church are slaves or had been slaves. There is no established church anywhere around. They are the established church. And they're going to go in the midst of this evil and perverse generation and live out lives that Paul's going to call them to do in chapters 4, 5, and 6. And to be able to do that, they need to experience God at the deepest level. He begins as we begin this final section of the, uh, of the first half of this book. It's a prayer for believers. We talked about that a, a, a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to make sure that you knew that. That this prayer is not for lost folks. He starts this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. That, that narrows it down. That's not that God is the Father of every family that's alive on earth, but every family that is obedient to him. There's a very strict standard and a very specific person that Paul's praying for here, and it is the church. It's the people, uh, the, the, God's precious covenant children is who he's praying for. And we noticed that in week one. It's because of the ones that are obedient to Christ. This is not you if you're lost here this morning. You're not in this family. And I, I, I ask you now to understand that if you're not obedient to Christ, if you're not a follower who claims Christ is Lord, you need to begin to think about your position before God this morning as you hear these words. This prayer it's for the church. It's for God's beloved children. These are blood-bought children, as chapter 1, verse 7 says. Paul prays for, and in Christ, those who are in Christ and forgiven, and now become precious children of the covenant, precious children of God, precious children adopted into the family of God. But what we find in this is that this prayer is definitely for the children who want to live what they profess. That is, they want to be obedient to what God is calling them to do. And each one of us want that deep in our hearts, don't we? The only time we make a mistake at that, sometime we get weak. Yes, but most of the times it's because we don't know. And that is what Paul is praying for here. He wants, to, wants the believers to understand all the fullness of God because you can't fear God you don't know. And you need to know God to be able to know what he expects of you. We want to live what we profess and to do that, to do that especially in this world. Look around you at this world. It's difficult to live as a Christian. It's getting more difficult each and every day. So if we want to live what we profess, we've got to be filled with the fullness of God. Because it is in the living we experience the fullness of God. It is in the living that we experience the fullness of God, just as Christ did as he lived, and just as Paul did as he was persecuted for the way he lived and what he preached. It is in godly living, living like the children of God, that we need the fruit of Paul's prayer this morning. And we spoke about that. Those children in that family um, are not the church triumphant. Uh, last week we spoke about the church triumphant and the church militant because those who have gone before us are the church triumphant. That part of the family there in verse 15, you see it, that is in heaven. But for the church living in this world, that is the church today, that is us, beloved, the church militant, that church in this world living for Christ and as a witness to the world of God's work in the world, we need the full assurance and fullness of God each and every day in our lives. So that's where we find Paul speaking of the fullness of God, and it includes his often used Trinitarian formula. We don't encounter God just on one dimension. We encounter Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
We encounter Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's where the work begins, with the work of the Spirit and the love and the presence of Christ. And this leads to the understanding of the fullness of God. And so we see there in verse 16 that the beginning of this work is in the sure mercies of God. Do you see that there? Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, according to the work that God's doing in our lives, to grant this to come to pass in the life of the believer, this is God's work. And in the life of the church, this is God's work. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. It is God that grants this and beloved, that begins with your salvation, God's work. It begins before that with God's work in Christ uh, from the, before the foundations of the world to plan the covenant of redemption. If you just turn back, and I'll, I'll get going too long here, but if you just go back to chapter 1 and you begin in verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. He wrote this before I was ever blessed in Christ because I was blessed in Christ because he called me before the foundation of the world in Christ, right? Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Underline spiritual blessing there because the focus is here on the blessing that comes through the, to the inner man through the spiritual working of God in our life. Verse 4 says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, so that we could be holy and blameless, adopted to the family, sons through Jesus, according to the purpose of what he was doing in this whole world, this whole work, it's to the praise, verse 6, of his glory. And verse 7 says, in Christ we have redemption in his blood, which he, verse 8, lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And he set forth this as his purpose, verse 9 uh, set forth in Christ, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ in heaven and things on earth. And, and this we have attained, verse 11, this inheritance, so that we who were the first to hope, verse 12, and verse 13 and 14 tell about the Spirit's work. In him when you also heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See, there's a chronological order to this. God began before the foundations of the world to plan this great work that he's going to do in his church for his people and that plan was before the foundation of the world in Christ it was 2,000 years ago as Christ came and died on the cross of Calvary and then verses 13 and 14 say that at some point in your life Christ met you where you were through the power of the Holy Spirit and you were enlivened to believe so we can look at verses 3 through 14 from top to bottom as God's work down to us and if we read it backwards, it's the way we experience it back to God. <laughs> so God, sure, mercies began this work. I didn't know who God was before he made me aware of who he was. And it is God working in the believer that saves them, and it is further work of God to pour out his spirit on the believer for living. And you might say, well, how can it be that hard to live in this world, right? But it it becomes harder and harder the more you live and become obedient to Christ. And the answer is you cannot live for God in this world apart from God. You will not ultimately have what it takes. You need power, this power that he's talking about in verse 16. And that power, Paul prays for you, for God to grant to you that you would be strengthened. Remember last week we called it dynamite. Because that's the word power in the Greek is dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. It's power that we have that's well beyond our comprehension. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It empowers us to live this life, and it empowers us inside the inner man. 
And that's the important phrase I want to play on just for a little bit this morning. That power within us. It's in the inner man. It's in the soul. Uh, it's in who we are. The, not the material part of us, but the immaterial part of us. So, well, that becomes then the answer to our, the beginning of the answer anyway, to our question, what is required for the Christian to experience the fullness of God? It's God's Holy Spirit. His very own presence and power living inside of you. Inside of you. Dwelling in you. It is God indwelling the inner man, the believer. Do you see that there at the end of verse 16? He may grant you to be strengthened with power, dunamis, dynamite, through the Holy Spirit in you, in your inner being. What is that inner man? What is that part of you? Well, existentially, or as it relates to existence and being, it's that part of you that never will cease to exist. It lives eternally. It's your soul, beloved. It's your spirit. The Bible calls it soul, mind, heart, and spirit. Four different words, but it's that immaterial part of you that lives eternally. The part that Jesus said you are to love him with in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He said this is the great and first commandment. That is your inner man. That is the part that loves Jesus. That is the part that Christ dwells in that uh, holy spirit dwells in that's where the that down deep in you that fabric within you is where that power dwells and where you uh, th- th- that power is housed and where god does that work in you it is first there and it manifests itself in the world and then he goes on to say a second is like it that you shall love your neighbor as yourself he said on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets can't do that then without the love of Christ down in your inner man. Your inner man came into being at your conception and lives and animates your physical body until the day of its separation from this earth by physical death. That is that when you die, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Your body is laid in the grave in the ground to go back, as we often say at funerals, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Your physical body goes back to the dust and your spirit, your soul, your inner man, that part that continues on eternally, goes to be present with the Lord. When you die, it is part of the believer that will go to be immediately present with God and and present there with all the saints and believers of all times. My grandma will be there. I can't wait to see my grandma someday and to praise the Lord with her like we did like we did as young children. There is so much part of me that the inner man is that she will understand who I am because of what that inner man is. And we'll see Jesus. But for unbelievers, it's the same, only different. They live forever too. And they live in the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Lord. You know, if you don't finish that, it can be heresy real quick. Unbelievers, the inner man of the unbeliever goes to live in the presence of the Lord's vengeance on all sin. You know, heaven is often, or hell is often misunderstood as a place separate from God, but it is not. It is a place where God pours out his wrath continually on those who refuse the Son, Jesus Christ. 
So Paul begins to pray for the spiritual part of you to be empowered by the spiritual part of God. Is that fair? Paul begins to pray for the believers at Ephesus. I pray for you today. He prays for you today that the spiritual part of you, that inner man, your soul, the part that lives forever, will be empowered by the spiritual part of God. Listen, what's not here is just as important in this sense. Paul is nowhere praying for physical gifts to be given to you. That's so important that when you pray, that you pray God to fill you with his spirit. Paul is not praying for physical gifts to be given to you, but spiritual gifts. He's not praying for earthly comforts, but for heavenly comforts. He is not praying for physical health, but he is praying for spiritual health. Why is that? Why are all the physical and creature comforts missing here? He's praying so that you would have power from the Spirit. In verse 17, that in your inner being, that you will then experience the presence of Christ. You see it? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Same word, right? Hearts, inner man, talking about the same thing. That place where the seed of faith is, where the power of the Spirit is, and where the presence of the Lord is. So that you being rooted and grounded in love, I've got so much to say about that. I wish we could just say it all this week. Because it's there, beloved, when you truly experience God, you truly experience love. So that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. And that you would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, the love that surpasses understanding, and all the fullness of God, he goes on to say. It begins there in the spirit, in the inner man. And it ends with understanding the fullness of Christ. All of that begins here in the inner man. Paul is not praying then for physical comforts because physical comforts will detract you from spiritual comforts. My biggest distraction is Twitter. <laughs> Anybody else got that problem? How about Facebook? I'll get you. I'm coming around. How about Xbox? Right? <laughs> the physical things distract you from the spiritual strengthening of the inner man. There's another prayer in the Bible like this. Let's go to John chapter 17. Because Jesus prays for the exact same thing that Paul is praying for here. John chapter 17, if you will. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chapter 17. Let's look at just a few verses here in this passage this morning. I love this prayer. This is, prayer is going to work with a lot of the rest of this passage as we continue to go through it because Jesus is so parallel praying what Paul, or what, let's make that Paul is parallel praying what Jesus prayed to God. Let's begin in, oh, I don't know, how about verse 14? Right, let's go back to 10. Verse 10, chapter 17, all mine are yours, Jesus says, and all yours are mine. He's talking about us. And I'm glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Jesus is leaving the world. We're staying in the world, the disciples. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, 
I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. Now the joy of the believer is the understanding of the truths of God. The joy of the believer is not in the physical things of this world, but in the spiritual truths of this world. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Here's the key. We have God's word. We have God's promises. We have everything that he intended for us to have to be able to live live the life he intended for us to live in this place. Jesus is praying, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, no. In other words, we're going to experience all the traumas of this world. And and some of us know that very well, don't we? And Paul promises that if, if somebody tries to live a godly life, the one who wants to live a godly life here will be persecuted. We're going to have the difficulties of this world, whether it's physical difficulties, marital difficulties. uh, financial difficulties, whatever it is, they're going to come. We're going to experience them. That's the promise because that's just the way this world works. I don't want you to take them out of this world. I just want you to make them, help them understand your promises, that they're going to live in this world, those things that are going to strengthen them deep down inside in the very fabric of who they are that's going to carry them through in the darkest and deepest hurt in the days to come. I don't ask, verse 15, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in that truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world to live like Jesus lived, to live empowered by the Holy Spirit like Jesus did, to have that power down deep in the inner man. And for the sake, Jesus says, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in that same truth. It is that same truth that he prays that we be sanctified in that we're reading about here in Ephesians 3. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus prays for God not to take them out of the world, but to protect them from the evil one. And this is not a prayer that they would have have the house in the suburbs and the three cars and the lake property or I guess better here, ocean property necessarily. He's not praying for physical things. Jesus is not praying for physical things. He's just praying for the spiritual things here because it's in the spiritual things is where we gain strength as believers to live this life. That's a very different thing than being kept by physical assurances like insurance and riches and the promises of health because how often have we gotten sick when we didn't think we were going to be sick? It's the promises of health health that... uh, our realities that are just, it's the things tangible that we can't count on. They're going to go away. It's the things seen in this world that become the difficult things that may cause for us to lose the, the spiritual things in this world. But the spiritual reality is, is keeping this and ascending to a spiritual truth. As for the world, Jesus said the opposite in John sixteen thirty three. No promise ever of physical promises. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in you, in me you may have peace. <laughs> Jesus is not here, so he's talking about his uh, spiritual presence. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. 
but take heart, I've overcome this world. The physical world would give you, would give and result in tribulation that it would drive you to rely on the spiritual world is what Jesus is saying. So this keeping, guarding, and protection of God that Christ prays for too is spiritual. It is a strengthening of the inner man through the promises and word of God. It is a building up of the inner man. It's a solidification of those promises, a preparation and guarding and strengthening, not of the outer man with physical realities, but of the inner man with spiritual realities. And that is the center of Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus, the prayer for the inner man, your soul, your spirit, your mind, and your heart, that God would grant you to be strengthened in the inner man through the spirit, and that your inner man would become a foundation of strength, a seed and a source for you of resolve, a citadel of hope for the believer, a renewal, a place for retreat, a place to go in your life when everything else falls down around you, a place of peace, as this passage says, that surpasses all understanding. Do you have a place like that this morning? I don't know about you, but when somebody gets a diagnosis of cancer, they don't normally go to their checking account and look at their balance, do they? It's just not something we do. Uh, we remember not too long ago during the, uh, during the playoffs before the Super Bowl, when a player got hit on the field and he was immediately uh, comatose, right? He laid there lifeless. And the whole world began to pray. It's the spiritual we turn to when the physical falls apart. It's the spiritual that gives us strength when all else around us seems to be shaken. It's the spiritual that brings comfort when nothing else can bring comfort. But that's the way of this world. That's what Paul is getting these Ephesian believers used to. And that's what I want you to know as believers, that it is the strengthening of the inner man that will let the physical man do anything that God calls him to do in this place, no matter what that may be. No matter what that may be. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's begin at verse 7. Paul writes about this in about every one of his letters, but this one's very powerful. He reminds us in verse 7, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. This treasure we have is in a jar of clay. This treasure is the, our soul, our promises, right? Lives in a weak, earthly, physical body that's dying. But we have this treasure's the treasure in jars of clay should show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That is the power of the inner man is what God gives us to live our lives. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. You see it there, verse 8. Afflicted in every way, not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always, verse 10, carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. 
In other words, we are being given over to death of the physical world and the physical presence so that we can live by the inner man and live like Jesus lived. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul's saying, when I came and preached to you, and he's saying this in chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, he said, I'm being given over to death. I'm being imprisoned. I'm being beaten. I'm being all these things in my physical body. But don't look at that. Look at what strengthens you and all the promises of God inside. It's the inner man that makes this all make sense. Verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise who will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you in his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. That's who we're living for. That's who we're called to pick up our crosses. We're to lay our lives down in this place and pick up our cross and to carry it, to live a spiritual life by spiritual means, by spiritual strength, and not by physical means and physical strength, so that we can live the life that God of obedience that God has called us to. Verse 16 is uh, 16 through 18. Here's kind of the capstone of where I wanted to be. So we do not lose heart. The spiritual gives us the strength so that we do not lose heart in this place, in this world. I shared with you at the beginning this morning, um, you know, if, I, if you just look at your own week, I'm going to use my week as an example, but we see the physical body and the physical part of this life falling down all around us. Uh, Monday, I had to take my son up to Medford to the doctor because we're dealing with a breathing thing that he's been dealing with for some years now. Tuesday, I got a text and the text said, can you come to the University of Penn Hospital? And can you pray with my daughter? Her numbers are not coming up, and they're, they're worried about that. So we went in, and, and, and it's so very surreal. You get there, and all of the 14th floor is leukemia patients that are having bone marrow transplants. That's such a great hospital. God does such great miracles through people, through medicine, and through work like that. But to even go in and be present in her room, we've got to have this full gown on and this cover and this mask and I took my Bible in my Bible was the only exposed thing of me and here is this beautiful 28 year old young girl with a five-year-old daughter no hair bright smile on her face as strong as she can be yet this deadly disease coursing through her veins we prayed for her because that's all we can do beloved that's all we can do is stand on the promises of God. Man's done everything possible through the, one of the greatest hospitals ever for this. And all we can do is pray. And 20 minutes after we left, she called on the phone. They had tested her blood while we were there. And it usually takes six to eight hours to get those results back. It was 45 minutes later. And her ANC levels had gone from zero to ten. And two days ago when I texted with them, they were over 100. they got to be 500 for her to leave, but they're already making plans for her to be able to leave Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday of next week. And then Wednesday comes, and I make a call to some folks that haven't been here. It's because he's been sick, Tom Klein. 
He's been sick, and that's why they haven't come, and they're really missing, and, and they couldn't even watch uh, Brother Stanley on, on TV like they normally do because he passed away this week, Charles Stanley did, or two weeks ago. And then Thursday night, we had a joy. We got to go over to a celebration at the uh, Nathaniah Center for Young Life and got to hear all the work they're doing. But in hearing the work they're doing, they gave us the new stats just out from the CDC how the suicide numbers have, raised, have risen for children ages 13 to 18. Every day, we're, every day in this life, we see the physical going away. Every day is a day that we could lose heart. Every day can be a difficult day for the physical presence in this life. But every day the believer has the inner man to strengthen himself by. Paul says, so we do not lose heart. Do you see it there in verse 16? Though our outer self is wasting away. Some of you guys more than others, right? <laughs> I mean, I reached 50 and I understand this verse better than I did at age 25. Amen? We do. It's going away. The physical part's going away. Our inner self, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. How is it being renewed? It's that inner man believing the promises of a holy God. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, This it is this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us. Now listen, <laughs> this is not a status quo that the believer stays in. But it's in the momentary afflictions that the inner self is getting stronger. It's not all for naught. So it's the things that we're experiencing in our lives, that outer wasting away, that's literally making the inner strengthen more. That's how God works. That's how God works. For those who are called according to his purpose, all these things work out for your good. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, see at 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, not the physical things, but to the things that are unseen, the spiritual things, to the promises of God, to the heart of what God's doing in our lives. I would call it the greater reality that we all need to know. Because some people look at this world and they build their whole life based on the things they see here. And they're going to be disappointed. They spend more time filling their bank accounts than they do their hearts. Building their kingdom than they do building Christ's kingdom. And while that's good and fun and all those things, and they benefit from those things, and certainly common grace allows them to do that, one day all those things will be gone. And all that work will be regret. But the promise of the Lord is, for those who labor for the Lord, it's never in vain. But all that you do for the Lord will have eternal glory and carry eternal weight. So we look to the things not, <clears throat> as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, the spiritual. For the things that are seen are transient, they're going away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Let me just tell you that, the, that 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 holds true every day in my life. When I when I look when I'm most disappointed and beloved I would say for you too is when I look and put my hope in the things that are transient. That's when my disappointment comes. This is life. You're not promised good health. 
You're not even promised physical good, but the spiritual good is a promise. And this is the heart of what Christ said to John. Christ said in the book of John, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the inner man you will have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, that peace comes knowing that I have overcome the world. James says in the book of James, chapter 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. I would turn back to Romans 5 very quickly as I just think of some more verses. Paul says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. That is that part that he's talking about in Ephesians. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin and death that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Then he says in chapter 5, Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope It does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's in that hope, in those things. How do we know these things? The greater reality is that it's in the hurts of this world that God is doing the greatest in the hearts of his people. This is why Paul prays for the inner man, the spiritual part of you to be empowered by the spiritual part of God. The inner man must find his strength and the greater reality of who God is. The inner man must be made to see and know that which cannot be seen or known in the physical, but only in the spiritual. Let me say that again. The inner man must decide and see in the spiritual realm what cannot be seen in the physical realm if he's to live in this life the way he is called to live. 1 Corinthians 2. Let's entertain that just for a moment, and then I'll leave you alone. I promise. <laughs> First Corinthians 2 is Paul talking about the work of the Spirit in the believer. I've been in this passage for the last three weeks. We've been using it on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. But the Spirit allows the inner man to see spiritual things that can't be known or recognized in this world. Paul says, verse 6, chapter 2, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age. It's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. That's what your inner man's getting. That's why it can be strengthened. These things that God has decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. If they had, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus Christ. This, This is the blindness of the lost person and the ability to see that the saved person has. He goes on to give this example in verse 9. What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Well, how do we see what the eye can't see, and how do we hear what the ear can't hear? And how do we understand the things that, that, that are ununderstandable? He says in verse 10, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. 
It's the spirit that searches the mind of God and gives us, go up to verse 16, just to make this a little shorter this morning, for who has the understanding, who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we as believers have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Remember what Jesus said? He asked Peter, who do men say that I am? And he says, you're the son of God, the living God, right? But what did he say right after that? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father who is in heaven through the work of his Holy Spirit. You can't, this is where the gospel comes in, because it's here where our hearts are changed and the Spirit resides in us that we can make that good confession of faith. It is here through the work of the Holy Spirit, entertaining our minds to things that can't be seen, the understanding of how God handles sin, how we are in sin and how Christ died for our sin and how we must be forgiven for that sin. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you, Hector Torres. Blessed are you, Frank Hintz. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for the flesh and blood has not, cannot, will not reveal these things to you, but they're revealed in the Holy Spirit. These are the eternal things, not physical things. They're the things that pertain to life and godliness. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All things have been given to those who see through the inner man that pertain to life and godliness, even in this place. You can look at this as your spiritual immune system. Every time you believe the promises of God, every time you pray, uh, Miss Heather said this this morning in Sunday school, every time you interact with the things of this world, God is building you up and strengthening you in the spiritual man. God has given you a strength that you can't get anywhere else, and you're seeing things. 1 Peter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. Those are the things that can't be seen. They have to be believed in the inner man. Every time you pray, every time you read scripture, every time you encounter something that God has brought you to, you're getting a booster shot. Every time James 1 or Romans 5 comes into play, and Abraham Kuyper said in Pro Ridge, he said, anguish and despair will make themselves the master of the whole human heart. And that's just the life we live, lest the inner man push out the anguish and despair with the peace of Jesus Christ that surpasses all understanding. I don't know what your trial is today, beloved, but I know where your hope comes from. I don't know where you retreat when the hardest things of life hit you or your family, but I know where, you hope, where your hope comes from. It comes from inside of you. It comes from the inner man. It comes from the inner strength. It comes from where God resides in you through the power of his Holy Spirit. It comes knowing that a better day is coming. It comes knowing that God's promises, every one of them are true. It comes knowing that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that God is reconciling all of this to himself through Jesus. It is there in the promises that we cling to that you get the strength of your soul. Beloved, my prayer is to cheer up. The news is worse than we think it is. 
but we win because of the inner man. All right? Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to a close this morning. My prayer is that you strengthen these believers in the inner man, that this would just be the tap and the flow and the fount to where they would begin to experience the height and the depth, the breadth and the width, the deep-rooted love that comes from intimate relationship with you through our soul and through our spirit and through faith. Empower them, Father, this day in Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. There are men who...